I'm Alan Weiss with The Uncomfortable Truth. I'm sitting here today after still another snow, blizzard, thunderous, dangerous warning here in the northeast of the United States where it's been snowing for approximately 10,000 years since the original people to inhabit the land walked over the Bering Strait and somehow wound up here long before Columbus or the colonists or anyone else came. It's been snowing in New England and it still will next year. And so we get some snow and we panic because we're so conservative. We've all become too conservative. And we lose money and we lose time and we often lose faith. So every storm is a blizzard and 19 meteorologists on all the major channels have to warn you and there's a run at the grocery stores and people get heaters and they get generators and they clear out the bread and the toilet paper and everything else. Work is lost, theaters close, all kinds of people lose business, appointments aren't kept because of the danger. They were thinking about shutting down in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, Interstate 95. This is one of the one or two most important roads in the entire nation, and these three states are going to shut them down. It makes no sense. This is not some kind of natural catastrophe. It's not a a once-in-a-century storm. We're not getting any better, not getting any bolder. We're too archly conservative. We want protection for everything and from everything. This should be an insurance agent's paradise. They should think they've, they've died and gone to Shangri-La. Nobody wants to take a chance. Have you ever refinanced your house or signed for a mortgage? You have to initial every single page. You have to sign in about 25 places. My attorney told me, and of course attorneys I'll get to in a few minutes, that It was about three pounds of stuff that she had to go through page by page. You can't do it electronically. And she pointed out how most of it isn't needed except for CYA purposes in the most extreme conditions. You sign documents all over the place. You know, when I'm getting a car, when I buy a new car, those car dealers want to move the car. And so they input a few things to the computer. It prints out a form. You sign in one place and you're gone. They want to move cars. The banks don't want to move money. You know, there's an old story I read once. I don't know where, but I assume it's not apocryphal and it's true. I think you'll agree once you hear it. Turns out there's an army colonel and he has a corporal as his secretary outside his office. And they deliver a manila envelope for the colonel and you have to mark in. You have to sign in for everything and uh, you keep it in a big log. And so the corporal hands the manila envelope to the colonel And the colonel looks at the log entry and he says, wait a minute, you can't initial for this. Only I can initial for this. So I want you to erase your initials and then initial your erasure. Now, maybe that could only happen in the military, but I think it happens to us all the time because we're so damn conservative. You know, if lawyers had their real choice, I told you I would get here. If lawyers really had a choice, they would tell their clients, do not open for business. Do not unlock the doors. Do not turn the lights on. Do not let people into the building. Because if nothing's happening, nothing can go wrong. And that's how conservative lawyers are. They don't want to take a chance about anything. If you go into ballparks lately, there's nets up all over the place. They're afraid of fans falling out of the stands. 
They're afraid of people getting hit with broken bats and random fly balls. Now, I would agree with you immediately that we should protect the public. But those ballparks have been there. We've been playing ball in them for ages and ages. And it's rare for anybody to get hurt except somebody who gets drunk and falls out of the upper decks. And so you have to take a look at probability here. We could encase everyone in shrink wrap like they do some luggage at the airports and put them in their seats to watch the game, but you're not going to sell much beer that way. There's a Mercedes recall right now. <laughs> my, my new Mercedes truck has a recall already. And the recall, as far as I can determine from the legalistic language, is about the cover on the inside console. This is where you put your glasses and your, your tokens for the bridge or whatever. And it turns out that it might not latch as securely as it might if you had about a 50-mile-an-hour collision, and it wouldn't meet U.S. standards. If I have a 50-mile-an-hour collision on the highway head-on, the console opening up and hurting me is the last thing I'm worried about. But here we go through all the expense and time waste of this recall, because it doesn't meet some lawyer's definition from some auto company under some government regulation. We're often careless, you know, but that's not risk-taking. We're archly conservative. Some people are careless, but that doesn't mean they take more risk. Sonny Bono, Cher's partner, died when he skied into a tree on a downhill run. He wasn't bold. He was careless. He was mindless. He wasn't that good a skier, and he gathered too much speed, and he never learned how to stop. The tree didn't know how to stop him. So why are we so conservative? I thought you'd never ask. First, we're we're a litigious society. We sue over everything. There are more lawyers around than there are mosquitoes. And everybody's ready to be sued. They want to find the deepest pockets. It makes people very conservative. Second, there's the arrogance that comes from a complacent society, by the way, and a wealthy society, that every grievance needs addressing. Every single grievance needs to be addressed. And that leads to a conservatism because we get afraid to discomfort anyone. We get afraid to aggrieve anyone. We get afraid to insult anyone. Number three, there's a fear of lack of control and then the consequent need for protection. Life is out of control. I don't believe I have control in life. Everyone else is controlling me. I need to protect myself. Of course, that's ridiculous. We have a lot of control in life. Just read my new book, Life Storming, and you'll find out how. But yet we believe we don't. Number four, we generalize from one incident. You know, Peter Drucker, the great management thinker and strategist, said that the problem with most laws is that they're designed in reaction to one miscreant and therefore punish a thousand innocents. So somebody does something wrong, and instead of seeing it as a one-off, We regard it as the need to make up laws that cover everyone. There was a tragedy here in Rhode Island several years ago. The station nightclub burned down, killed hundreds of people. It was horrible. It's a tragedy. But the cause was the two brothers who owned the place didn't observe safety features, allowed a band playing. They had a set of pyrotechnics, had put a roof in, an interior ceiling that was flammable because it was cheaper, and they didn't check to make sure it was non-flammable. And after the building inspectors came, they changed things back to where they were. So if the building inspectors said that the emergency exit was on wrong, this is a true story, they fixed it. When he left, they turned it back the other way again because it was easier and cheaper for them. 
But as a result of that, the legislature here in Rhode Island passed laws for small business and protection from fire that cost literally hundreds of millions of dollars for small businesses to pay because of these two jerks who owned the station nightclub. That's generalizing from one incident. Whether you like it or not, it's awful, but it's the wrong kind of reaction. Number five, we're conservative because of exaggerated claims. You know, I don't approach my car's abilities. My Bentley's rated at 205 miles an hour. My Corvette can go from zero to 60 in 2.95 seconds. That's nice as far as I'm concerned, but I'd never approach either one of them because I'm prudent. I'm not conservative, but I'm prudent. And I realize what the limits are. And so when you see these exaggerated claims, instead of people jumping at them, they tend to back way, way off of them. My wife is always saying about other drivers, if they bought a car that powerful, why are they doing 18 miles an hour? Good question. And number six, there's just a failure to try. We're conservative because we fail to try because we're afraid. And so we get conservative about anything from trying to eat raw fish to trying to uh, engage in a new travel experience or watch a different kind of a movie on TV. You hear all the time people say, err on the side of safety, err on the side of caution, err on the side of conservatism. It's a mantra in business. We overdo safety procedures, and many of them don't work anyway. We're overdoing them for lip service, but they don't work. My wife and I run an elevator in the Textron building here in Providence. Textron's one of the two corp, uh, Fortune 500 businesses in the entire state. We had a board meeting on the top floor of a nonprofit. And what happens? The elevator stalls between the third and fourth floors. Won't open, nothing happens. And so I pick up a phone in there. I hit the button, and a woman says, can I help you? And I said, we're stuck on the elevator. She says, I'm terribly sorry. Where are you? I said, I think it's elevator number four. She said, no, no. I mean, where are you geographically? I said, the Textron building. She said, no, what city? I said, what city? Where are you? She said, I'm Otis Elevator in Hartford, Connecticut. I said, well, it's a little bit far to dispatch the emergency team, wouldn't you say? What good is that kind of conservative protection? It doesn't work. We pounded on the doors and somebody came from building maintenance. We also don't think that others are as smart as we are. And so we get conservative because we assume they'll do the wrong thing. We can't trust them. I love these surveys of the American public where something like 85% of respondents say that they're above average. Do the math. We don't trust other people. We get worried about them. We assume that they will err. And so we get very conservative. We engage in blanket thinking. And blanket thinking means one bad thing happens and we assign it as a constant. There's an old, old example about a cat who jumps on a hot stove. And the cat, of course, jumps off, learns its lesson, but then it won't jump on any stove, even a cold one. Cat doesn't know, just knows the stove is what hurt. We act the same way with a lot of things, whether it's an experience or a technique or different people. We also tend to believe too much. You know, the guys guarding the German, uh, the East German side of the Berlin Wall were called Volpos, I believe. They were uh, East German police. And they all had these ferocious-looking German shepherds. Now, I own a German shepherd, and they're hell to deal with if they're angry. But once the wall came down and Germany reunited... The big problem was to try to find homes for all these shepherds because they were docile. 
They never learned to attack. They didn't follow commands. They just walked around with the Valpos as a sign of fear. But the dogs weren't vicious. And so we too assign things to others, to people, to events that we shouldn't be. And it causes us to be conservative. We often overreact to what others feel on a singular basis. For 50 years, five zero years, there was a prayer on the wall of Cranston High School here, one of the high schools in Cranston, Rhode Island, that invoked the Lord's blessing on all the students who passed by. That's all. It wasn't meant to convert or anything else. But one woman, about three or four years ago, decided, at 16, that she was irreparably harmed by walking past this prayer every day. And when the school board and some alumni tried to fight it, the ACLU joined in on the girl's side, and they didn't have the funds, nor should they have spent public education money trying to defend this. And they had to jackhammer this thing off the wall after they had covered it with some kind of drapery. That's just utterly absurd. It's not about church and separation. It's about one person feeling aggrieved with no good reason. We have knee-jerk fears. Remember, milk was no good for us. Red meat was no good. Eggs were no good. Fat was no good. Actually, these are all parts of a healthy diet. And as for gluten... If you have celiac disease, it's a problem. If you don't, it's an affectation. Sometimes when I'm out with uh, clients, I ask the server to bring me a bowl of gluten. We also, um, we also feel that by expressing fears, we're acting prudently and we're taking the lead. A couple of years ago, I tried to run one of my international meetings in Marrakesh. And uh, a couple of people claimed that Marrakesh was dangerous. There was no empirical evidence at all that Marrakesh was dangerous. At the time, it was probably safer than most European countries. Yet, there was a hue and cry, we can't go to Marrakesh, we'll endanger us. So I had to move the meeting to Sevilla in Spain. It cost me about $22,000, as I recall, in cancellation fees. But I moved the meeting to Sevilla in Spain. One of the people who had complained about Marrakesh not only didn't go to Sevilla, he went on to Israel. And so what was he trying to prove? I've since tossed him out of my community. Adios. So what are the ramifications for all this? Well, first, self-editing, which is basically a conservative endeavor, worrying about what you wrote or what you're going to say out loud, wastes time, wastes tremendous time. Number two, we have a hunt for perfection to try to be perfect, not just successful. That's highly conservative, and it costs us money and time. Number three, there's a disproportionate impact of lawyers today. The Founding Fathers in the United States imposed term limits on some things and put in certain procedures because they feared an agrarian influence in Congress. They never dreamed it would be a legal influence in Congress. Never in a million years did they dream that. But we have lawyers all over the place today with disproportionate powers. There's an abandonment of good ideas when we're so conservative. Anything that seems risky, we don't pursue, we don't follow up. There's a loss of comfort and a loss of aesthetics. People object to a writing on the wall. People object to a painting. People object to some symbol that only they interpret in a bad way. And there's a general lack of innovation and creativity. When you're conservative, you don't create. When you're conservative, you hide. You know, football has a prevent defense. It's probably the most conservative aspect of American football. And it occurs when you have a lead and you simply don't let the other team... You try not to let the other team score by preventing long plays. But you give up the short plays. And when you do that, the other team often wins. The prevent defense is not effective. And Bill Belichick, who's coach of the Patriots, who just won a fifth Super Bowl 
with Tom Brady, has always been accused of running up the score at the end of the game. Instead of going in to prevent defense, he tries to keep scoring and run up the score. And his opponents complain that he runs up the score. And he says, the last time I looked at the rules here, my job is to score. It's your job to stop me, not my job to stop me. He's not conservative. That's how he wins so much. That's why bullies win so much. If you don't stand up to a bully, they take over. Give them an inch, they'll take a mile. But when you confront a bully, because bullies basically have inferiority complexes, they'll generally back off. But if you're conservative, that will never happen. Therapists won't tell you what you need to know because they're conservative. They want to know how you feel instead of telling you what to do. I'll tell you something I rarely tell. When I was uh, going for my uh, PhD in psychology, I worked for 200 hours for the Samaritans, the suicide uh, self-help, not self-help, the suicide group uh, that tries to prevent suicides, uh, and they're a nonprofit, and they, they have uh, open lines that you can call. And since the government has stopped funding many of these things, they became more important than ever. And so I was in actually the last assignment over the 200 hours, which was an overnight. One time a month, you spent eight hours overnight there from uh, whatever it was, from uh, 12 to 8 or something like that. Usually the shifts were four hours. And at three in the morning, I got a call from a woman named Karen who told me she was an attorney with a three-year-old daughter and she had a gun in her hand. That's one of the first questions you ask at the Samaritans, do you have a weapon? And she told me that um, her husband had left her she didn't feel uh, any kind of self-worth, and she thought it was time to end it, and she was going to reach out one last time to see if someone could explain why she shouldn't. She had no colleagues close to her, no family who would help her. And I said to her to put the gun down, and I heard a clunk, and we talked it through. And the Samaritans, you're just supposed to listen. You're not supposed to give advice. You're supposed to say, how does that feel? That must feel awful. Oh, my um, what was your reaction? But instead I said to her, hey, listen, how is your daughter going to feel? What will your daughter be thinking 10 years from now when she's 13 and her mother killed herself when she was three, never really got to know her, her father was gone and her mother killed herself? What happens to your daughter? Think about that. And so she thanked me and hung up. And at around 7.30 in the morning, as I was turning over the shift and getting ready to leave, the phone rang again. It was still my duty to answer, and it was Karen. And she said... You saved my life. Thank you. Now, I didn't act conservatively. I broke the Samaritan's rules, and I think it's a good thing I did. Now, who tend not to be conservative? Surgeons aren't conservative. How can they be? They get in there and operate. They're, sometimes they're accused of cutting too much. But these people have literally your heart in their hands. And they're not conservative people. Pilots aren't conservative. Oh, they go through checklists and things, but pilots are not conservative. They're bold. I remember being in Buffalo in a blizzard, and there was another blizzard in Boston. These are in the days when people weren't scared of the darn weather. And Boston was thinking about shutting down, and Buffalo was going to shut down, and all of the people were waiting there, and the pilot finally showed up from an incoming flight. He was late. All the rest of the crew was on board. And they said to him, here are the weather reports. And he said, is Boston open? And they said, well, as of now, yes. He said, then get these people on board. We'll go in there. And we got there. And he managed it well. Pilots aren't conservative. Entrepreneurs aren't conservative. Not the successful ones, anyway. Writers aren't conservative. They're good writers. If you look at some TV shows, take The Walking Dead, any, any show that's developed a strong following... 
Good writers aren't afraid to kill off major characters. They're not afraid to have extraordinary plot twists. Those who are successful in the military are not conservative. Patton and Eisenhower and Washington and Grant and Chester Nimitz, these were not conservative people. They were bold people. They made the tough calls. And star athletes aren't conservative. They call for the ball. They do amazing things. They take chances. Now, let me conclude by telling you this. If you want to escape conservatism, here's what you do. First, understand what the true risk is. Risk is really probability of occurrence and seriousness if it occurs. If probability is fairly high but seriousness is minuscule, do it. If seriousness is really high and probability is even low, you might not want to do it. So take a look at probability and seriousness. The seriousness of a plane crash is, di- is humongous, but the probability of it happening is almost zero, especially in the United States. What's the upside-downside? I tell my coaching clients all the time, there's no downside to what you're suggesting, only upside, do it. Or, there's no upside to what you're doing, only downside, don't do it. If there's both an upside and a downside, calculate which is most probable and which you're willing to undertake at what risk. You have to have resilience. You have to be able to bounce back from setbacks and defeats. That way they won't kill you. If a defeat kills you and it damages your self-worth, you will be conservative. If you're resilient and make the best of it, you will not be. If you want to escape conservatism, hang out with risk-takers. Through osmosis, understand how they think and act like they act. When you're with your attorney, give your attorney directions. Insist your attorney give, your, give you options. Don't just accept an attorney's advice. Ask questions. And finally, always play with house money. If you're ahead, that's when you bet. If you're at the casino and you're up, you bet heavier. It's house money. The same thing in life. When you're successful, take more risk. Be less conservative. You know, Puritanism has been described as the abject fear that someone somewhere is enjoying himself. Don't be a Puritan. One last story, and I'm done here. I was on Amtrak, traveling from Providence to New York in August. It was about 100 degrees outside, but the first-class car was well-air-conditioned and comfortable. It was about two-thirds filled. A woman got on at the next stop, which was New Haven, and she's dressed with short shorts, and a midriff blouse tied somewhere over her abdomen and strappy sandals and nothing else. She didn't even have a pocketbook or a book to read. And as she sat there, she said after five minutes to the first class steward, it's too cold in here. Now, she barely has any clothes on. It's too cold in here. I need it warmer. So the steward says, yes, ma'am. And he walks to the back and I hop up and follow him. And I said, if you change the temperature in here, I will personally report you to the CEO of Amtrak. He said, watch me. And he stood back there for about two minutes, just looking around. Then he walked back and he said to her, is this better? And she said, much better, thank you. Folks, throw conservatism out. Lead. Go for it. You'll be glad you did. That's the uncomfortable truth. See you next time.